Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-hosts, Mickey Turner, Susie Rantz, Tim Foss, Beth Mantle, and Dave Clark. This has been an extremely weird podcast. How are they going to be able to handle that? Just the bottom line is they don't have an answer to that. There was never really a time when I was super concerned. Seattle did fine. There's a reason they got signed to first team contract. Very special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of Seattle Sounder. You know who he is. Brian... How are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. Joining me today is Chris Bills of Striker, Texas, uh, covering Austin FC and uh, more brother. I mean, I know you're not covering it, but Striker FC again. I know you. If you didn't hear him last time, I will give another pitch. I think it's an amazing project you guys are doing down there in Texas. I'm very, I'm jealous of it. I think it's great. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, and uh, you were covering the Gold Cup all out right now, so uh, you know, get on that and, and check us out. Um, again, as always, 30 day free trial, so you can get the whole Gold Cup before. Uh, we'll charge you anything. So, um, but then you're going to get hooked and stick around and all exactly. of a sudden, and you're going to be demanding that Seattle has the same thing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's the, we'll, we'll see how fast we can get it going, Jeremiah. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, all that out of the way, we have uh, a game that maybe snuck up on Sounders fans. I imagine has not snuck up on Austin. You guys didn't have to, you didn't play over the weekend, did you? Or did you? No, I actually took a I took a much needed vacation. I went to visit family in Ohio, so I actually missed. Uh, there was one international friendly against Tigres, uh, which which you know which, as we'll talk about, Austin's pretty banged up right now, so they didn't play very many of their main guys. But uh, that was kind of fun to see the stadium, uh, you know, on on, uh, on the highlights that I watched to see see the stadium filled with uh, you know maybe twenty thirty percent Tigres fans because that is. Probably the most popular soccer team in Austin outside of the Mexican national team, I would think. Oh, yeah. Uh, and now Austin FC is, you know, getting up there as well. Um, you know, so, yeah, they're pretty pretty relevant in town. But Tigres is Tigres and, and Chivas, but especially Tigres. There's a lot of Monterey influence here. It's only about a six-hour drive, so. Nice. Well, um, it's going to be, you know, it's funny how these things work out it, because I, at least this is how it's worked out for the Sounders. Even when they've had these mini breaks in the season it doesn't seem like they come out of them any healthier than when they right. went in but your last game was way back or last league game was way back on july 7th uh has has austin been able to do anything to get healthier in that time or is this are they i know they, they you've been dealing with a ton of injuries yeah i mean some of them are, are long-term uh ulysses segura and Aaron Schoenfeld and Danny Host, and I don't think we'll be back at least anytime soon. But uh, you know, guy like Danny Pereira, who's really been a focal point of that midfield, to have an extra week for him to sort of recuperate. He looked pretty mobile in training the other day, although he wasn't. He's not training full yet. He was still off to the side, and he had an uh, um, an abdomen uh, abdominal strain. Uh, which looked like it was pretty painful. So uh, we'll see if he's ready to go by Thursday, but it sounds like John Gallagher is getting closer. Um, and Nick Lima's getting closer, but he had a hamstring uh, tear that that he's going to uh, take, sounds like another week or two. So I don't think he'll be available Thursday yet. Um, but yeah, those are the three probably 
possible starters that 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 might be missing on Thursday. Although I'd say I'd say Gallagher is definitely questionable. Um, Pereira, you could maybe throw him into that camp too, but I, I'd say doubtful. Uh, and then Lima definitely won't play. So when last we talked to you, uh, Austin was coming in looking for a result, very much in the mode of needing to get a result, and they got one. You know, a zero zero mm-hmm. tie. I think I would imagine they were thrilled with. Uh, coming into Lumen Field, an undefeated Sounders team. Uh, you know, Austin wasn't necessarily playing great when uh, coming into that game. They got the result. How have things been going ever since then? Yeah, I mean, they opened up the stadium, uh, which, of course, uh, you know, we mentioned the injuries and, and the fact that they just they haven't had, you know, even in that match against the Sounders, which was Austin FC fans first experience with a, a, a draw of any kind, uh, let alone a draw that, that feels like a win, which, it, which it definitely did, but they didn't score a goal in that match. And, and that's kind of been par for the course here of late. I mean, they had back-to-back nil-nil draws to open the stadium against San Jose and Columbus. And then, uh, the third home match of course was against Portland. And I'm sure you guys were, were watching that one with glee, uh, you know, with the four, four, <laughs> one, enjoy that one, yes. four, one victory. And, and really I thought, uh, showcased what what Josh Wolf and, and Austin FC wants. To, that's the that's the team that they envision. That's what they want to do. And 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 it was it was interesting because it's really the only time that they've had anything resembling a, a, their full eleven that they'd like they'd like they'd like to have on the pitch. Danny Pereira had been out for uh, I want to say six weeks at that point. Um, I think Seattle match was the first one that he missed after he was injured in, in Nashville. Uh, and then he came back for the Portland match started. They did a lot of really interesting tactical things, being able to have that many midfielders on the pitch at the same time. And, and then, um, you know, lo and behold, he gets hurt again and, and, um, that two Oh loss to LAFC. And so it's been, I think, frustrating for fans. And of course they signed Musa Jite uh, and they were, I think a lot of fans were hoping that he'd be available for this match against the Sounders. But as of Tuesday, he still wasn't in town and he's going to have to go through at least a five day quarantine once he gets here. So um, he's not going to be available yet on Thursday. So uh, I think fans are getting a little anxious uh, feeling like, you know, time's kind of slipping away here and we haven't heard too many rumors on that third designated player spot, but look, there's still 21 games left in the season. I think that's the, that's the crazy part about where we are right now is that it's, it's mid July and yet there's still, those games are going to come fast and furious, but there's still a lot of games and a lot of points up for grabs. There is, there's, there's quite a lot of points up for grabs and there's a lot of movement to be done uh, in, in the Western conference. I mean, the Sounders are sitting atop it right now, but that, lead has never looked more precarious even though they were at one point tied with sporting kansas city but it, it looks even more precarious after suffering their first loss uh but this is this is a long season that that somehow comes and it seems to go in a go in a, in a blanket sometimes uh and this is one of those times but you know the what would you assess as far as the expectations going into this game does austin feel like this is a a winnable game for them i i have to imagine they they think it is you know it's funny because i was coming off of uh like i said i I took a week vacation uh and was back with family and i and i i watched some mls but maybe not as much as i i should have uh and was sort of plugging back in and and i was on our podcast earlier this week and and was kind of like oh yeah that you know seattle sounders are coming to town that's it's going to be a difficult game for Austin because they're still beat up. And then I kind of looked a little deeper into just how beat up 
Seattle is. Yeah. And it seems like this should be a match that Austin should expect to grab points from, I I think. Um, or or at least they need to, and and it would be a big advantage to them because I don't think that there's going to be a lot of chances, sure, chances like this to grab points off the Sounders for the rest of the teams that are going to face him than the rest of the season. So I think it's actually a chance for Austin to gain gain some ground maybe if you look at it from that perspective. The Sounders are going to be missing something like, you know, 55 to 60% of their payroll uh, out of this game. And that somehow feels like it's even understating the degree to which they're, they're sort of beat up right now, but it's, it's, you know, the Sounders are also coming off. It's, it's amazing how this schedule worked out. The Sounders are coming off a four days rest and, uh, and you guys will be, or Austin will be coming off two weeks rest. Mm -hmm. Um, Always funny. The curveballs that the MLS schedule makers throw out there, but I know for me, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing, uh, a little bit closer look at Q2 Stadium. What has that atmosphere been like? It seems like it's very much lived up to the hype. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean, I think the last time we talked, Jeremiah, I think I was trying not to overhype it, but but at the same time, I, I was pretty confident that Austin was going to put on a show, and, and I think that that's sort of proven out, and this is going to be uh, they've been on Fox Sports one a couple times, uh, but this will be the first ESPN match. And uh, I think Taylor Twelman and, and John Champion are actually going to be in Austin for this one. So, uh, you know, that should add an inter- interesting kind of layer to things uh, tomorrow night to see it again on the national stage, but on a different network and and with some announcers actually in the stadium. So if you're watching from home in Seattle, which I imagine most people will be, uh, you know, I think it'll be, you know, listen for listen for the the vibe that kind of comes out of that supporter section, because as good as Seattle and Portland are for atmosphere, and I'm not saying that that Austin's better, it's just different. It's, it's a different vibe. It's a, it's a Latin infused Mexican infused uh, vibe. And, and what I was actually talking to one of the ticketing folks uh, on the concourse, I think before that Portland match, and he was saying it, it it's something that he's never witnessed before uh, in North America or anywhere else where You've got on the end in the supporter section, it's, it sounds very, very Latin. You have, um, you know, that, you know, those songs and, and the trumpets and um, the Murga, La Murga. Um, but on the, on the ends or the, the East stand and the West stand um, where people have paid a little bit more money, more money for those seats it's almost more of a European vibe. Like there's, it seems like people are very knowledgeable about soccer. You get the ooze and the ahs at all the right moments uh, and, and mixing that together, that flavor with what's happening in the supporters section. I think he was sort of commenting uh, and he's a Liverpool fan uh, and goes to Anfield, I think pretty regularly. And, and was saying how, just how unique of a soccer environment he thinks it is. So, you know, I, I thought that was, that was pretty interesting to hear. And, and it is something that, that I've tried to step out for the first 20 minutes of every match um, and, and get some of the flavor and, you know, not sit behind the the soundproof glass <laughs> for at least a portion. And, and it does, it, uh, it feels like something a little different and it feels really good. I think as somebody who's been following this, this team for so long without there being any matches <laughs> to go to, to actually be able to take in a soccer environment without uh, flying to another city or, or driving to another city. So one of the things that you, that, fans probably didn't notice before the Portland game and, and, you know, fingers crossed, they don't necessarily uh, Sounders fans don't get to experience (laughs) in this game is the way that 
uh, Austin celebrates goals. They drop the lights. They throw on some like uh, LEDs. Yeah. Uh, explain like on the hope that we don't get to see it to uh, uh, tomorrow. What is going on there? It is funny because uh, I was so the first the Portland match uh, I was out on the, the they call it the terrace. It's you sort of walk on this terrace where uh, uh, some of the best seats in the house uh, to get to the press box. So I kind of step out there for the first twenty minutes of the match, and and that match. I could just kind of feel that it looked like Austin was going to score. So I'm going to stay out here until they scored. Uh, you know, I got a nice video of, uh, you know, what was happening. And I, I, it did feel green, right? Like you got the Verde uh, feel in the building. But then I watched it on TV and, it, and I was like, it looks like they turned the lights out. Oh, uh, okay. So it's not, like, that's not but, what, it, they don't turn the lights out. It's like, they definitely turn the bright white lights out, uh-huh. but there's plenty of, light in this in the building if you're there it's just it's all green so i don't know what that does to the cameras um i actually saw some really cool photos from uh one or two of the photographers around that that were able to kind of shift their settings and and get something that just looks completely green it's like something you'd see from uh like i don't know uh, stranger things or something that's just uh-huh. like uh yeah so so it is, it is it is pretty cool but it's not quite the uh lights out that it, it sort of looks like on tv i don't think Interesting. Well, because the the thing I thought was interesting about it was a lot of like when I I saw this, the clip of it and I said, wow, this is actually pretty cool. And a bunch of photographers were like in my my mentions like, no, it sucks. It's actually the worst thing ever. And uh, and, you know, and I guess there's some concerns over like visibility for uh, various disabled right right with vision issues. Well, they say that they say it it sounds like maybe in person it's not as bad. Yeah, I, I didn't think so, at least from my vantage point. And they say that they've got like something like several million different color combinations they can do with those lights. Uh, it's some kind of, so I, I, the thing is we've only seen two, so I kind of want to see what they can do with it during a concert or something, but yeah, uh, we'll see. We'll see what that looks like. It, it is kind of a, it's different for sure. It's not quite uh, jackhammers or uh, sawing logs, but right. I know like the, 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 the peak of creativity there, right? <laughs> No, I, I will say that I'll go on record and say I think that what, whatever it is that is happening there looks a lot cooler as a neutral fan than a jackhammer or certainly a saw, but um, which I, I, I don't know, I, I find to be a little a little much at times, but I, I do think I do like the idea of being creative and trying new things and whatever. Like I, I think MLS should lean into the weird stuff and, and kind of like find their own thing. And, and I, I saw like the some of the drummers in, in uh, the supporter section had like led on their drums. It looked like even. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Yeah. And and that's something that uh, they've had going for a while, but uh, they just, I think the only game that they were actually allowed to bring the drums into the stadium was uh, in Colorado. And, and I think everybody else saw that that was a, that was a mistake that Colorado made because uh, Austin kind of <laughs> was louder than everything else going on in that stadium that night. So. Yeah, that, that, that can sometimes happen. Uh, but speaking of away supporters, uh, a story that had sort of uh, risen up in terms of uh, its interest when it first came out, and I, don't, I haven't really heard anything about it since, but I am curious if it's made anything like a ripple in Austin where ECS made a big point of boycotting this game because mm-hmm. of the ticket prices, I think there were something like $70 a ticket, which, um, you know, like whatever you may think of that, I, I thought it was inter- it was notable that uh, Toronto FC fans were charged something like 
$40 to go to MLS Cup in 2019. So it, it did seem a little exorbitant. But that said, uh, has there been any notable reaction from either I'm, I'm sure Austin FC fans are kind of like, yes, yeah, that's great. Don't come to the game, but has there been <laughs> anything else like has, well, is this story that has any resonance? Yeah. I mean, actually the supporters groups from Austin Los Verdes and Austin Anthem put out a joint right. statement and they, right. and they pushed back. Uh, and they actually, I think there were some conversations that happened behind the scenes as well. And uh, I talked to uh, a guy from the Timbers army um, who was down here uh, and said that they had actually lowered the ticket prices somewhat by the time Portland was here. So, um, yeah, I I wish I could be a little bit more specific with you here, but I I do think that there's been an acknowledgement that that was maybe a bit short-sighted, but at the same time, it's such a hot ticket in town um, that I think that they know that they can sort of get that for whatever seats, like whatever seats they put on sale are going to sell. Um, and from a business perspective, I think, but I do think it goes against sort of the ethos of the MLS fan culture, uh, right. you know, where, you know, I've either been part of supporters groups or, or witness supporters groups that, that are able to, to go for like 20 bucks on the road. And I think that really encourages a great environment, um, you know, at all those road venues. So, um, yeah, I've been sort of advocating on that, that front too. And I know that Phil West, uh, who writes for the striker, Texas, uh, wrote a column about that as well um and sort of how that's part of this honeymoon phase that that's going to wear off eventually and and the team should kind of get with the program and and you know do things um the way that the supporters expect them to do otherwise you know some of that uh initial shine might start to wear off a bit faster than it would otherwise have to so it does sound like it's had some resonance though in austin that it wasn't just like a a thing that yeah it's like anything else i think in this mls sphere that it had a lot of relevance for Ooh. a very specific group of people. And <laughs> right. a lot of people in the stadium are just like, Hey, look, there's some people in yellow up in the corner. Right. So, you know, it's just, it, it's kind of goes both right. directions. Absolutely. So anything else that we should be expecting uh, for this game? I, I, I suspect that these are, you know, one of the things I thought was interesting in this, in the, in the last meeting was that the Sounders had not had the possession advantage against any team this year until they played Austin. They ended up with a, significant possession advantage i don't think austin had given up the possession advantage in Correct. many games i think uh, that was very much a tactical shift that, that josh wolf sort of right wanted to to sit back and and sort of make the sounders beat them a little bit and and that was sort of how the game played out but uh, and so do you do you suspect that we're going to see a similar tactic or do you think that it kind of flips on the road i think that austin at home wants to play its style and uh, one of the things that I think that Josh Wolf said after that Portland or after that Seattle, the first Seattle match that he thought that uh, they could have done better was, was to win the individual matchups uh, on the offensive end. Uh, they had, um, I think they were playing out of that four, three, three, and uh, they had three. Um, it must've been John Gallagher, or Cecilia Dominguez. You might have to remind me who was, uh, I think Jared Stroud probably started that game and, and those three, kind of failed to win their individual duels with the the three center backs. So one thing I sort of suspect is maybe we might see, uh, you know, either a four, four, two or a three, five, two, or some way Hmm. to get, um, you know, a different matchup. So you're not just having uh, man against man. And then again, you know, Seattle is without Ariaga and, um, and Uhu. So, so maybe they think they can win those matchups this time around. I'm not sure. 
Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. I, I, you know, I, we just got off a call with Brian Schmetzer, and one of the things I, I asked him was, you know, you, you are basically given a, a, a lineup that you're forced to make some choices, either you're, like sacrifices, either you're going to have to play players in positions they're not used to, you're going to have to play a new formation, you're going to have to use players that haven't trained with the first team, and uh, and and you got to kind of balance those. Like, th- there's no way to, to avoid making some of those choices. And it'll be interesting to see what they do. My suspicion is that they're going to stick with their three-five-two and maybe use Josh Atencio as their third center back, even though he hasn't mm-hmm. played center back since 2019, and he's, as far as I know, never played in a in a three-back system. But uh, you know, that that central center center back can sometimes end up being like a deep lying midfielder, uh, defensive midfielder anyway. So you know, it'll be interesting. I think this it, it's going to be an interesting look for the Sounders. Uh, you know, like they. They always say they go into these games looking for a win, but this is one of those where I, I can't help but think they would probably be satisfied to, to come out of there with a point um, because there's just the, the the fortunes of the world right now are not doing them a lot of favors. So we'll see. We'll see how this yeah. goes. But One um, thing I did want to ask you about, Jeremiah, is, yeah. is, is how much you know about uh, this Samuel Adinaran, uh, the, the the kid that they brought up from, from defiance uh, to come on defiance, right. Is he, is he, he's a big tall forward. I think, is he going to be in, in Austin for this one? Uh, That's a or... good question. Uh, so he is an interest. He's a Houston kid. Yep. So I would imagine he's relevant to your, to your, uh, your listeners, but he is, he's a big, he's a big guy. He's got great feet. I think mm. he actually like the games I've seen him. He has MLS ability to be, to do the holdup stuff. Uh, he's just not always been as great around goal. He's, he's missed right. some pretty uh, good chances. Of course, his one goal that he scored is like a, a really good goal from like the edge yeah. of the, the penalty area, but uh, he's, he's a good passer. He's an interesting prospect uh, for sure. And what's interesting is the sounder, uh, apparently the way the hardship rules is that the hardship rule works is that a player can make two appearances uh, before he has to be signed to a, mm. a regular first team contract. And so he played in one game and, and I think the Sounders, so the Sounders could theoretically bring him back again. Uh, and he still has a, an ability to be called up, but I don't know what they're going to do as far as that goes. I don't know if they're going to, you know, they, they kind of alluded to the signings that they were going to make for this game. Mm. And they said they're going to be very young. And so I don't know if a is considered too old to be considered yeah. very, very young, or if he's just, you know, like 22 is young, but uh, the way that, you know, the Sounders have been signing 15 and 16 year olds uh, to these short-term contracts. So yeah. who knows? I just thought it was interesting because I was talking to some folks yesterday about, uh, about Mackenzie Gaines, the young uh, kid that's on trial with, with mm-hmm. Austin FC right now and is, is a local product and uh, spent some time over in Germany. And, and it's actually the same. Uh, his, uh, agent scout in, in Germany um, was actually one of the ones that, that spotted uh, dinner. And, and then when he moved back to Houston after um, COVID hit, apparently that was sort of his connection to get back into the U S scene. Oh, so I thought it was, yeah. So I was actually going to maybe try and catch up with him uh, this week. Uh, so you might be able to look for some stuff on the striker about, about, uh, about him and, and sort of his, his story. Cause it, it is kind of interesting. We haven't told how, his story. I, I yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting how many kids like that are floating around in Europe and you just don't even know. <laughs> oh yeah. No, it's, 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 it's fascinating when you start really digging into like how many Americans are just kind of bouncing around in lower divisions in, 
in in Europe. Uh, and the Sounders actually just sent two kids to this team in in Austria that uh, there was a story on the Athletic about that's mm-hmm. owned by some Americans and is uh, they're trying to become a or maybe they already are to support their own club. But anyway, it's uh, all kinds of interesting stories out there in the soccer world, as as you well know. But um, hey, thanks for hanging out with us and and letting us know a little bit more about Austin. Yeah, looking forward to the match on Thursday, and hopefully uh, one of these times we can get you down here and, and give you the full full Austin experience. Yeah, what's the press box food like there? It's all right. It's pretty good. The the uh, there's some good local flavor in the stadium. So you know, I, if you're only there once, I wouldn't always suggest just eating the the free food. Although. As journalists, we always do love the free food. So the free food is hard to beat. Often it's hard. Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. So <laughs> I understand. I understand where you're coming from there. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks for doing this, and and for sure, uh, make sure you follow Chris on Twitter uh, and check out the Striker. It's an awesome project that they have going down there, and I think independent media is great for media in general, and it's especially good for soccer media. So. Uh, I'm really hoping you guys uh, that works out. Thanks, man. Always enjoy talking and uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk again soon. Absolutely. All right. You're listening to the Sounder at Heart podcast and uh, we'll catch you next time.